And hello. Hello and welcome to Out of Our Skull, episode 11. June 1st, 2017. June 1st, 2017. Um, We are the political podcast of the Femme Faisant Network, and um, I am Carol, <laughs> I am uh, Mia Davis, and uh, we're going to talk about local Carolina local news, North Carolina stuff, and and then we're going to get to national U.S. news, um, and some international stuff too. Oh yeah, that's true, international news. Uh, but all politics, all the time. All politics, all the time. And it's unfortunate. I mean, I didn't used to live my life all politics all the time, but now every morning it's damage report. <laughs> damage report it is. Yes. <laughs> I tried to find positive news this uh, this, this, this week, week was tough. And I, I couldn't do it. This, this week was tough. This two weeks was tough. <laughs> Not much positive coming out of anything. No, no. I, and I really, I really There's a lot looked. of ridiculous coming out of everything the last two weeks, but yeah. not really positive. So first up is the North Carolina Monster Law. This is the new voter, uh, the new Republican voter identification bill, because federal judges struck down a previous version because they said it targeted African Americans with an almost surgical precision. precision Voting rights advocates are convening emergency meetings to plan legal defenses against this bill, which has been dubbed the Monster Law. Um, in states such as North Carolina, the argument from Republicans in courts and in public is that our new laws are aimed, uh, their new law is aimed at combating voter fraud. Not aimed to disenfranchise to... certain segments of the population. Right. Which, you know, that's just a byproduct, basically. So it yeah. is to combat voter fraud, a problem which really just doesn't exist. The comment they made to the public is all North Carolinians can rest assured that Republican legislators will continue fighting to protect the integrity of our elections by implementing the common sense requirement to show a photo ID when we vote. House Speaker Tim Moore and Senate Leader Phil Berger said in a joint statement. Um, um, I, I have been showing my ID when I vote. I haven't been asked for mine. Oh, I have been asked every time. Yeah, I have not been asked for mine. Um, they ask for my address, and then they just carry on, basically. Name and address and carry on. Um, to me, this is a, a law that solves a problem that doesn't exist. Voter, voter fraud in America is ridiculously low. <laughs> ridiculously. I, I, it, it's almost unheard of. So this is an unnecessary law. Well, but they're piggybacking off of the the claims that it is a huge problem, which is a lie. Which is a, <laughs> in our in our opinion, and is a lie. Um, I say, haven't shown any evidence to the contrary. Exactly. So, but I mean, the some people are duped by it. A lot of people and, are duped by it, and so that's how this is gaining ground. Yeah, they don't want to believe that legislators are are outright racist. They want to believe that it's to combat um, a, a logical a logical voter fraud. Right. The the argument is that there's a lot of illegal aliens in the country, and they are voting. It is incredibly difficult to get a voter registration card if you are an illegal alien. <laughs> um, and if you're if you don't have a voter registration card, your names are not on the poll. They're not on the lists, so you can't really you can't vote 
it's a problem that doesn't really exist. And I would imagine if I was an illegal alien, I'm not. I'm a U.S. citizen, born and raised here. But if I were, I don't think obtaining a, a voter registration to it's, vote would be on my on the top of my priorities. No. Unless, let's say, I was maybe provided a, an incentive by payment yeah. to vote. And frankly, That's another aspect of voter fraud. Of voter fraud, and that I am more suspicious of. Yeah, and than, if you'll notice in the last election, the only people who are actually found guilty of voter fraud were Republicans voting for Trump, voting in you know two different districts, two, right? Doubling up. Yeah, doubling up their vote. Yeah, um, or voting um, absentee and then also going to going to the polls. Yeah, um, and a lot of people say we'll just get an ID and problem solved. People don't realize that sometimes it's really kind of difficult for a person to actually get an ID. You have to go to the DMV. You have to wait in line. You have to pay for it. Um, my mother, for years, did not have an ID. She never drove, so she didn't get a, a driver's license. And it wasn't until um, she actually had to fly on an airplane that we got her an ID card. Mm -hmm. So for two elections, she didn't have an ID at all. But she's white. <laughs> so nobody asked her for one. That's <laughs> that's upsetting to me. I don't want to believe that our government is racist, but I really cannot deny the I, evidence. I can't deny it. Between gerrymandering and this law, it, it yeah. really just shows. Well, let's talk about gerrymandering. That's the very next thing. Um, court fights have focused on redrawn maps for congressional and state legislative districts. But there have been challenges over redistricted seats as far down as loki local county commissioner and school boards yeah uh north carolina right now is the canary in the coal mine said wendy weiser um it's not just that the issues at stake in north carolina are unique but the attempts there at voter registration voter restriction <clears throat> have bigger and more extreme uh, cases than anywhere else it gives us a glimpse of where we as a country may be headed if we don't find a way to apply the brakes in an effort to make the electrical system a game yeah um gerrymandering is huge in this state it's really to the point where your district is just you don't have any logical there's here's no the, logical the facts are in here um before in 2011, before they redrew the electoral maps, mm -hmm. when before the Republicans took over a legislator, Democrats controlled seven of Carol North Carolina's 13 seats in the Congress. Now Democrat Democrats hold just three. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's quite not, a swing. Yeah, that's not because they lost elections. It's because their districts were so redrawn that they could not win elections. Mm -hmm. It's um, cheating. It's, it's, it is. It's basically cheating. Um, there are ways to, to make the election fair even when there is a majority blue or a majority red but what they've done is redrawn these districts to such a, a just an illogical degree that it's almost degree it's almost impossible to win a seat mm -hmm. because of the way it's redrawn um and there are instances where they've redrawn lines and people have been knocked out of elections because they've redrawn the line a street over from where that person lived and they no longer qualified for that district. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw a documentary on that yeah. when it, where it happened in New York. Yeah. Uh, well, last week, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled race improperly dominated North Carolina redistricting efforts. 
a decision that could make it easier to challenge redistricting plans in other states. Good, it should be. Um, we have a big problem in that. I mean, I, I, they're concentrating on voter fraud. That vote, this is basically fraud. It's, it's redrawing maps, so you're winning no matter what. To me, that's that's not democracy. Mm -hmm. That's that's a fraud. And the only defense that the Republicans have is, well, when the de Democrats dominated the seats, they re redrew their maps too. So that's like that's still not okay. That's still not okay. And incidentally, that that example I gave, where the the uh, the uh, person running for a seat was drawn out of their district, wasn't actually a Democrat. <laughs> um, so it, it happens on both sides, but it is so extreme in this state, in, this, in our state in particular, on the Republican side, that if you look at a map of the, the districts drawn, it just makes no logical sense at all. Well, it does make sense if you look at it from a racial profiling. From, yeah, from thing. a racial profiling standpoint. Um, North Carolina legislators are anxiously awaiting yet another Supreme Court decision that could come this week and would determine whether North Carolina will hold special elections this year for many redistricted legislative seats that federal judges found were racially based and unconstitutional. Yeah. So that that means um, who whoever was voted in last year, let's go ahead and redraw the map fairly and see if those people yeah. still win the seats yeah. or if it goes to, it goes to the running else. mates. Yeah. Um, with so much of the battle being decided in courts, Republican legislators recently pushed forward bills that opponents say are aimed at weakening the Democratic ability to challenge them in courts. Yeah. We've seen that when uh, with our new governor. Yes. Um, who won a very tight election. And, oh, um, very tight. It was, it was a it delayed. Was, it was very, it was delayed for days as they recounted. Yeah, weeks. Yeah, he wasn't and, uh, announced till mid December. Yeah, um, and they're they and then since he's taken seat, it's, and while he, they were recounting and deciding, they tried to weaken the governor's um, yeah. powers in the state just in case he won. Yeah, it's it's really between, shameful. Yeah, between gerrymandering and closing of certain voter um, voting places, it's really difficult for some people to vote. <laughs> Um, you know, there are times where they're making minorities get on a bus and, and ride 30 to 45 minutes just to go vote. And that's not the way this country is supposed to be run. We, sh we should make it easier to vote, not harder. Right. I have seen a movement recently to try to get 18-year-olds uh, automatically registered to vote on the day of their 18th birthday yeah. just send them just send them the a card. voter registration card we don't need to put a party you don't need no why need to, yeah. why is it that you either have to be uh democrat republican or, or independent or well it doesn't even say independent on it's the unaffiliated it's, i think it's called Una unaffiliated unaffiliated yeah. yeah you should just leave that off because technically speaking you know and what they say is well that's for the um the primaries because only Democrats can vote in certain Democratic primaries and only Republicans can vote in certain Republican primaries. I think that's kind of that's kind of bogus. Um, I don't think you should have to choose a side. I don't think you should have to choose a side either. Um, I, I personally think we need a more blended yeah 
or, or at least gray area. Yeah, I'll say. And so many people parties. just walk into a voting booth and they just push the R button or they push the D button. Yeah, and they don't look at what these people stand for or what these people want to do. Mm-hmm. Don't do that, voters. Yeah, educate yourselves. Sometimes that person with your political party is not the right person for the job. Is sometimes they're not. Um, so really look for at those it. local those local elections, the school board and the yeah, absolutely, and the judges and stuff. I, you you have to be diligent. And you have to actually read up and you have to educate yeah. yourself. And it yeah. doesn't just don't just walk in and pull a lever and say okay, they're all Democrats. Mm. I'm just going to vote for all you know right. all Democrats. And some of these seats are lasting a long time. Yeah. I mean. You really want to think about who you put in there. Because you're going to be there for mm-hmm. a very, very long time. I encourage everybody, if you're not registered to vote, please register please, yourself yes. to vote. I don't find it difficult to do, but then again, I am a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm. Um, I do know, though, I only had to register once. I've never had to re-register. I've had to change my address. Yeah, but I haven't had to. But I haven't had to re-register. It's, it's easier to maintain than a passport or my driver's license. Indeed. So um, I encourage you to do it. And we'll see you in September at yes. the primaries. Yes. For the next round of elections. Meanwhile, if you're an alligator, you might want to get your butt out of North Carolina. Not quite sure what you're doing in North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> On vacation from Florida. Because um, North Carolina officials are considering an alligator, uh, considering alligator hunting. State Wildlife Resource Commission is holding six meetings in June. Six? <laughs> About alligators. Does this... Uh, do we have an alligator problem? <laughs> we in Charlotte don't. I mean, okay. we're laughing about mm. it. There's only two counties, really, that have a problem. Uh, and they're far east of us. Well, that makes sense. They're closer to the ocean. Right, right. Um. But the, the State Wildlife Resource Commission... Um, is taking it seriously. They haven't. We haven't allowed alligator hunting since 1973. Well, I mean, there's not a whole lot of alligators here, but right. I, if it's an issue, then yeah, we should. I suppose so. It's becoming, from what I read, it's becoming um, a population issue for the alligators. Like they're overpopulating the roads and making it unsafe for drivers and yeah and, you really uh, don't want to, to mess with alligators <laughs> if you see an alligator and you don't have a weapon don't rub its tummy just um <laughs> just you know. don't rub its tummy <laughs> not a member of the wildlife resource commission are we <laughs> no hey that's that's some valid advice there don't rub an that alligator's tummy that is true she is correct do not rub the alligator's belly uh here's a fun fact for you well maybe not fun hunting would only be allowed on the southeast coast and would have strict limits because it can take the reptiles 15 years to mature enough to be able to reproduce. <laughs> Much like humans. <laughs> it right. takes them until their teenage years to get horny. <laughs> Commission uh, spokesman said Alan Boynton. Um, so if if you're not in those so- that southeast coast and you happen to see yourself an alligator 
It's probably and you're listening to this podcast and you say those two told me I could go shooting. No, 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 no. Don't just assume. You wait. You wait until these uh, six meetings are held. The meetings will take place in Hampstead, Dublin, Bolivia, Jacksonville, New Bern, and Washington. And those are all cities in North Carolina, not country or cities in Ireland and countries in Eastern Europe. Yeah, man, we <laughs> <laughs> important distinction. <laughs> I live in Bolivia, North Carolina. Uh, <laughs> all right. So on to a really, really serious and very close to home topic is the Charlotte Mecklenburg School 2008 reassignment plan. I have a daughter that's going to be going to kindergarten in the fall. This doesn't exactly affect her at all, but... Uh, you know, I've got my eye on what yeah. CMS is doing. She will be entering the CMS school system. So uh, what this, what the reassignment plan was is a series of board votes concluded a student reassignment review that began back in 2015. The process designed to use a mix of magnets and neighborhood schools to improve academic options and break up concentrations of poverty. I'm going to break that down for you. So, um, school A is getting better test scores than school D. So, instead of figuring out why school D is not getting higher test scores, we're just going to redraw the district mm -hmm. and make some of the top performing students from school A attend school D. school D. So, we're going to average out the test scores. Yeah. Rather than fix what the problem is. Uh-huh. We're just going to move kids around and hope it all evens itself out. Yeah. And I am against that because I I know from my own personal experience, if you have a top performing student and you put them in a in a place where they are not challenged academically or extracurricularly, they begin to fail. The, yeah. They, they they lose focus. Um and they're not going to be that top performer student anymore. And it doesn't mean they're dumb. No, it doesn't mean they're dumb and at I'm all. It means they're not challenged. Yeah, I'm speaking from experience here because high school was not a pleasant time for me. I wasn't academically challenged and I was a nerd. So <laughs> high school You didn't was, fit in? No, yeah. So high school was basically hell. And nobody took the time to go, okay, let's make things a little bit better for this student who's obviously not stupid. Um... And, you, you know, and I failed because the school didn't care. And you didn't care where you were in school. You were probably teaching yourself by your reading yeah. mm -hmm. in class than other... Than the, the teachers than actually the teachers teaching were providing. Yeah. yeah, the only classes I was excelling at were the AP classes I was taking because there was not a, a, an attendance requirement. It was basically taught as a college lecture. The teacher came in, gave the lecture, and at the end of a certain amount of time, you got a test. And those classes I did fine in because I wasn't. Yeah. They were, they were, you know, here you go. Here's the stuff. Read it. This is what you need to know. Here's the test. And that actually challenged me and it didn't, you know, require me to, to actually learn a set series of, of questions or, or anything. It actually, you know, challenged me to go out and figure out the stuff on my own. And then. Right. We had, when I entered the CMS school system, I was a, a very a good performing student 
um, in another state. And then when I moved to CMS, uh, I was really, I was shocked because the material that was being covered was stuff I went over two years ago, and that's a long time for mm-hmm. a ninth grader. Yeah. Um, and then when, when I was being taught, it was like, this is going to be on the test. These are the multiple choice options that are going to specifically be with this question, and we will, this is the answer, memorize it. That was how... That's how you're taught now. That was how I was taught, in, and I graduated in 99. So we're talking from 96 to 99 in CMS. Yeah. I don't know what happens now. I know that uh, my boyfriend's daughter is almost 10. She goes to uh, one of the schools that is is listed here. And she's a very good performing student. And I would hate to see her get put into a crappy school. Just because the administration doesn't want to fix itself. It wants to yeah, they want to just pad their numbers. And just see if, you know, those good kids will bring up the numbers in the other school rather than fixing what's wrong with the other school. Yeah. And this goes back, you know, we've talked Betty DeVos and, and the the wish to get rid of the national um the NEA and, and the uh, the schools for the arts, yeah. the art programs, and not only that, but oh, the whole national, the whole national education system, because she really wants it to be on a state level. And this again, because you you just talked about coming from one state to another. Yeah, this is why you need national levels. This is why you need a national governing board for our schools to make sure that everybody everywhere is getting mm-hmm. a good level education. Um, so you don't have those kids moving from one state to another and realizing, oh, I've, I have, I'm basically going back two years and I'm bored shitless and I don't want to be in right. this class. And what I did was cut school. Yeah. Or even vice versa, if they're going from a bad state to a good state and they're suddenly two years behind. Right. And we, we live in a society in a country where moving is pretty normal yeah your job is maybe not as secure as it was 40 years ago so you're having to uproot your family and move them to another state uh, just to uh, survive maintain your income keep your insurance what have you whatever you You do what it takes you know we don't live in the eisenhower america anymore where you get a job at 22 and you're there for 50 years right or for 40 years and then you retire and they give you a pension and a gold watch um a lot of people have three or four different careers because in their lifespan, in their lifespan, it's it's you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm on career number two because you know I spent 15 years at one place and I had to move. I moved on, so I'm on career number three. <laughs> yeah. So and and we're not all that old. <laughs> we're not close to retirement. Age. No, 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 no. So it's it's you know, so having state, to another state is yeah. not. Even state legislated public school is ridiculous. It, no, you can't. It's not going to work. Fifty different school district. You can't have fifty different school bodies, because then, I mean, I can't even imagine if you you go to school in Mississippi and suddenly you're transported to New York, or California, <laughs> or California, or, or so even it's completely by... different. This is a very large country. Yeah. Geographically and, and populous. Yeah. 
And so we need that kind of governing mm-hmm. board to make sure that all of the kids in the country are getting quality education. They're, the, they're our next generation. Let's invest in them. And quality free education. I, you know, it is ridiculous to anticipate that if you want a good education, you have to pay for it. That's, that's, that's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Um, well, the school, school board approved the student reassignment review on May 18th in a six and a half hour meeting. Um, I have some quotes here from school board members and probably parents. This one is from Erica Ellis Stewart. She's a member of the Charlotte Mecklenburg School Board. We have not been bold. We have not been courageous. Today we have two Charlottes. There are students who have access to an academically successful school and those who don't have access. Um, The entire plan was prepared by Superintendent Ann Clark and revised after a month of families and working class neighborhoods bear the biggest burden and and made a fuss over it. Um, In the months since Clark unveiled the plan, some of the most vocal dissent has come from the middle class and affluent Charlotte neighborhoods facing change. So, I mean, they were expecting, they're expecting one demographic to be upset by it and then and then found that both right. are upset by it. Uh, among the angriest were residents of the Eastover Elementary Zone who were reassigned from Alexander Graham to Sedgefield Middle School based on a last-minute change subge- suggested by other families. Um, Stephanie Sneed Brown, an Eastover parent, said, Ann Clark, shame on you. All of the Dilworth parents have had a chance to speak. Have the Eastover parents had that opportunity? Absolutely not. So people are still upset about the ruling. Um, I, I kind of am too. Um, this isn't a question of let's move the rich kids to different schools. It's a question of why are our schools in affluent neighborhoods given better quality means to teach the children than kids in than schools in not affluent neighborhoods it's not the kids fault it's not the kids fault and i don't think moving some of those affluent kids to a a lesser school is going to help the matter i mean it's not a question of the the school in the poor neighborhood is just a terrible school it's that they don't have the means (laughs) you know they're you know they have old textbooks they have no supplies it's not you know you can't move kids around and hope it evens things out test wise to make it look good yeah well this is um through 2018 uh it's a two-year plan so i don't i guess in 2020 we'll see we'll see see what what happens. happens I know um, my boyfriend filed a repeal to get his daughter to go to the school that that she wants, you know, that mm-hmm. he sees is a better fit for her. And this is after she's already had interviews with those teachers and found that it was a good fit. And now she's got to go to... Now she's got to go to a different school. Yeah, yeah. So it's not a, not a good thing. Um... Let us know if you've been affected by this and and how you see things changing. 
either with your kids um, grades attitude about school um, extracurricular involvement all of that yeah social life etc etc next topic I think we should move to uh, that one and hold that one till after since this is still North Carolina okay so next topic income tax cut state retirees bonus in North Carolina house budget North Carolina House Republican leaders unveiled provisions of their budget Tuesday morning that would reduce tax bills for some personal income taxpayers and boost pension payments to state retirees. The finance provisions released Tuesday morning include a 1.6% cost of living increase for state retirees that would apply for one year only. The Senate budget did not include any boost for retirees who have argued They've, left, they've been left out in recent budgets with their pensions increasing by just 2% since 2009. Retirees held a press conference earlier this month to call for a permanent 2% cost of living adjustment, arguing that the state's pension plan hasn't kept pace with inflation and makes it increasingly difficult for them to pay their bills. The state has about 300,000 retirees on its pension system. Now we're just talking about North Carolina, North Carolina government retirees, correct? Or well, these all not retirees. just necessarily government, but state employees. State so, employees. So, yeah. Waste. So we're not talking about everybody on Social Security or, or no. anybody who's retired. We're talking about state employees, right? And I kind of agree with a permanent two percent cost of two percent cost what, of living. What would a one that's year? Not even, that's not even a cost of living increase. What's a one point six percent cost of living increase <laughs> for just one year only? For one year only. I, what is that solve? That that it's, kind of sounds like. Until we re- redraw the district again. Yeah, you know? it does. Uh, bullshit. <laughs> I'm not even a state to me, retiree, and this is... This to is, me, that's like, we're going to give you 1%, 1.6% cost of living increase and hope you die before we have to reassess it. Yeah. Um, 2% is just... 2% is not even a cost of living increase. I don't even... That's just ridiculous. Um... The House budget would increase the cap on mortgage expenses and property tax deductions from $20,000 to $22,000 starting in 2019. The Senate's budget also increases that cap, but the amount varies based on tax filing status, so maximum deduction could be largely largest for the married couples filing jointly. So if you're single and own a house, talk shit. Yeah, I read that and I was just like, oh, okay, I guess I better get married before 2019. That's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the house plan would lower the franchise tax for businesses from one dollar and fifty cents to one dollar and forty cents per one thousand and would make purchases from of major manufacturing machinery exempt from machinery taxes which would save companies an estimated fifty point eight million dollars per year it would not lower the corporate income tax which is part of the senate's budget so this is of course just a budget plan it has not been signed into law neither of them has this is just the republicans the House budget plan, as the Senate has already given their budget plan. Yeah. So. But go ahead if you're a state state employee uh, or state retiree, um, start writing. Yeah. Your start House representative. Because two two percent is not a cost of living increase. That's, yeah. That's not even a tip. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> It is pocket change, literally. It is, yeah. Um, well, let's, shall we go on to national news? Yes, go on to national news. National news in this 
great country. <laughs> oh, which means we got to talk Trump. <laughs> Not yet. Well, well, yeah. Just about. Just, just about. about. Yeah. Okay. So uh, first up is Mike Dubke's resignation. Am I pronouncing that right? I believe so. Yes. Okay. Uh, the veteran GOP strategist resigned in a private meeting with Trump on May 18th, which was accepted immediately, <laughs> uh, adding that he offered to stay through Trump's first foreign trip to ensure there was a smooth transition as he exited. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we know that there was not at this point. <laughs> run, Mike. Run while you can. <laughs> <coughs> oh, bless his heart. Yeah. Dubkey, who spoke with Politico as he drove into the White House early Tuesday morning, said he expects to go back to BlackRock Group, his communications and public affairs firm. White House has not announced a successor to Dubkey, and it's unclear when exactly his last day will be. But I'm sure he's going to make a hell of a lot more money at BlackRock Group. <laughs> Axios first reported the news of his departure. The reasons for my departure are personal. But it has been my great honor to serve President Trump in this administration. <laughs> yeah, the personal reasons that my president's crazy and I don't want to work for him anymore. <laughs> Debke emailed friends this morning. It has also been my distinct pleasure to work side by side, day by day, with the staff of the communications and press departments. This White House is filled with some of the finest and hardest working men and women in American government. They do indeed work hard to make this White House sound right. Right. You, you know, they work very, very hard in the White House. Still sounds insane. So <laughs> well, let's, let's get into that. As the president dwells on the scandals. Uh, what scandals? Scandals? I don't know. There are scandals <laughs> out there? News to me. Uh, the embattled communications wing has emerged as the center of possible change in the White House. It is seen as increasingly likely that Lewandowski and Bossy will take on some functions, though it remains unclear whether they will join the White House or work for Trump as outside advocates. Both have complex business dealings that would need to be untangled should they enter the administration in an official capacity. And there's the key words there. <laughs> complex business dealings and entangled. <laughs> so yeah, this, this will probably be an unofficial capacity. Unofficial, I'm, much I'm, like Steve yeah. Bannon. It I'll will put be money like, on it. Yeah. They're not an official part of the administration, so naturally you don't need to look at their financials. (laughs) Um, And Trump told friends in recent weeks that he was unhappy with Debke and that he wondered why he never seemed to get positive press anymore. It must be. It must be be the the communications director. It can't possibly be you. Um, So so let's moving on. Didn't you say something about tweets? Yeah, tweets. (laughs) So, before we get into the tweet about Germany, uh, President Trump had his first European travel experience um, where he made a complete fool of himself several times. (laughs) Um, Whether it was knocking the newest member of NATO out of his way so he could get to the front of a photo op to putting his hands on an orb like Sauron. Uh, well, he, he uh, shook hands with the new French, uh, do you say president or prime minister? He's, uh, he's, he's the French president. He's French president. president, yeah. Um, and then lied through his teeth saying, oh, I was all for you, sir. Uh, no, no, you weren't. You were, you were advocating for Le Pen. So you had, I don't know what the hell you were saying. I, I do have to. He, sounds, he just comes across like a clumsy drunk Jackass? uncle. Yeah. 
Um, I do have to kudos to Marcon, the new French president, for not giving into the the patented Trump Absolutely. jerk and pole. Yeah, yeah. Um, he held his own. <laughs> he held his own. I'm surprised um, he won. <laughs> if we're going to talk about foreign politics, I'm really surprised he won. I'm glad that he I'm won. I'm very glad he won. Um, there was a last-minute effort to drag his wife through the mud because she is significantly older than him. Um, and try to and make that, that threatens seem people's like, uh, sexuality? So, I, I don't know. Fuck you. Yeah, but um, that would that kind of backfired a little bit, and uh, he won fairly, fairly easily for a French mm-hmm. election. Absolutely. The French, I mean, they take their voting seriously, and it... I don't know the percentage, but I know it is probably about double what what votes in America. Uh, double the percentage of people that vote in America. They have a very uh, politically active uh, culture. Yes. They, there is revolution after revolution yeah. in French history. It, it, up to recent years. Yeah. So um, we could learn something from them. Not that we need to get a guillotine or anything like that, but... Well, we don't need to. We can. <laughs> we can. If we... <laughs> Let's not dissuade people <laughs> from torture devices. <laughs> so that is not we'll our get, business. We'll get back to, to beheading here in just a moment. <laughs> but first, the tweet that Donald Trump tweeted, um, and this isn't the one from yesterday. This is the one that uh, threatened trade with May Germany. 30th. Yeah, this is from May 30th. We have a massive trade deficit with Germany, plus they pay far less than they should on NATO and military. Very bad for U.S. This will change. So basically, he tweeted a threat to Germany, um, threatening trade agreements. The Trump administration seems to have some basic misunderstandings of Germany's economic policy. Trump's trade advisor, Peter Navarro, seems to think that Germany wants a weak euro. In fact, German officials have spoken out consistently against the European Central Bank's quantitative easing policy that is helping hold down the euro's value. Um, He also, above and beyond the tweet, he also said something to Angela Merkel about um, refusing German autos. He, He kind of threatened the import of German autos. Yeah, he did, yeah. That wasn't recently, though, was it? No, that was on this trip. Okay, okay. Um, which is kind of stupid. Well, considering he's, he was saying that all during his campaign, though, he I was think, as too. well, but he, this okay. is, he said it directly to her. Um, and she made one of her Merkel faces at him. Um, <laughs> I'd love to see it. I'd love to see her Merkel face him. <laughs> what he doesn't quite understand, though, is a lot of those German automobile companies have plants in the United States, including a very large one in South Carolina, that employs quite a lot of people and while they don't you, you, you know the automobile industry is interesting in that the automo- the german automobiles made here are generally shipped elsewhere but they're employing american workers so you threaten trade with them they're just going to take that elsewhere yeah but i don't <laughs> think he he He's not even, like, concerned with Carolina politics right oh, now. Oh, no. He's not no. concerned with anything except, you know, threatening people and bullying people and hoping that makes him look better than the person standing next to him. Yeah, including his wife. Poor yeah. Melania. Yeah. Smacking his hands away. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, um, the changing economics um, is a question about competitiveness in regard to capital flows. Large financial flows between countries that reflect policy-driven changes in incomes, consumption, 
savings and investment. In Germany's case, a host of labor market, pension, public investment, and fiscal policy changes have helped lower the share of national income that goes to labor. This put far more money in the hands of those who save rather than spend. As a result, German domestic consumption has necessarily grown much more slowly than has national income, and lower consumption, by definition, has meant greater savings. I understand that this is not an economic uh, wise thing, but I am personally for saving rather than spending and reducing your consumption. Just I'm on for a reducing your yeah level. on a personal level I'm, re I'm for reducing consumption. That being said, I think um, what we need is is a bit more economic growth so we can actually save and consume a little, so we can keep businesses flowing, but we still have the ability to save. Um, we just don't have that anymore. I don't. I don't either. Mm -mm. Um, gone are the days where. You can work 40 hours a week and buy a house and and a car and live on one income. You can't do it anymore. You just no. can't. The cost of living has grown exponentially faster than wages. Right. And then At least your, in this country. And then have your two cars yeah. for a household and two and a half pets and two and a half children and a family vacation in the summer. I mean, it's all... <laughs> and not even these, a, these are things of the past it's almost even, yeah it it feels to me like a like a book that i would read a science fiction yeah book that i would read not not no, what our actual, actual his, yeah, economic actually, history was um but why should it matter to other countries how much germany saves the answer is that national savings don't just sit in the banks they often have large unanticipated effects elsewhere so it makes economic professionals nervous. They don't know where that money's going to go. They're afraid it's not going to go in their own pockets. So it just kind of puts that glo global savings and investment uh, in a place of um, instability. Yeah. Um, the rule of thumb is that either with investment growth uh, savings declines somewhere else so yeah if you're saving a lot then then you're not spending much if you're spending a lot then you're not saving much that right. is we, we all know that I mean that's pretty straightforward yeah so tweeting and the tweet itself was just such a stupid it, it was stupid know, and nobody really knew what it meant. No, as much like the one it, yesterday. It just kind of meant, oh, you're throwing another country, you're trying to make another country mad at us? Is that yeah. what's going on? It, you know, it's, it's sort of aimless bullying. I feel. Well, yeah. Half these tweets are done at 3 o'clock in the morning after he's been watching, you know, Sean Hannity. And he has no clue what the heck is he's talking about. And he just tweets shit. Um, yesterday it was the Kovifi yeah what is what was that <laughs> it explain was, that to me um it really looked like he had a mild stroke mid-tweet <laughs> uh he just it was like in the middle of the night and he uh i want to try and find the tweet itself okay 
it's trending so much now that uh, <laughs> there are memes. <coughs> this is the original tweet here. Despite constant, and this was the whole tweet, despite the constant negative press, Kofifi. That's C-O-V-F-E-F-E. Is and there then any punctuation ends. there? No, it just ends. Despite the constant negative press, Kofifi. <laughs> um, I can only assume that he had to flush or something like that. He had to snort. <laughs> and, and, and got sidetracked and forgot to finish his thought. Ugh. Um, Everyone's well, thank you, to... thank you for providing for <laughs> us uh, at, le at, at least a day of comedy. <laughs> somebody, somebody tweeted, "This is what happens when the communication head gets fired." Um, you know, people are trying to figure out what the heck he was trying to say. <laughs> and Some mysteries are like, better left unsolved. Everyone people. thinks it's probably coverage, despite the constant negative press coverage. But then that doesn't also finish the thought. It's just like he, you know, got sidetracked by a squirrel. All right. Um, <laughs> well, the next topic here is is also where we have um, the internet coming together to go over David Clark's um, regalia. Uh, David Clark. Yeah. <laughs> David Clark. This is going back to May twenty fifth. Um, was nominated for Department of Homeland Security. House Homeland Security Committee Democrats on May 25th urged Homeland Security Secretary John, John Kelly not to appoint Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark to a post at his agency. <laughs> God, please don't. This is a long quote here. We understand that the department has yet to make an announcement about this position and strongly urge you not to consider Sheriff Clark as candidate for this important office or any other within DHS. The group said that Clark's, quote, troubling record, unquote, includes plagiarism, allegations, and, quote, multiple inmate deaths, unquote, under his watch in Milwaukee County. And, quote, again, taken together, they warrant not only his immediate disqualification from consideration, but an unequivocal response from the department stating that neither Sheriff Clark nor anyone with a similar record would be considered for secretarial appointment within DHS, Department of Homeland Security. The letter was signed by Rep. Benny Thompson, Mississippi, the panel's ranking Democrat and 11 other Democrats. Clark said during a radio interview last week that he had accepted a job as Assistant Secretary to the Department of Homeland Security's Office of Partnership and Engagement, However, the DHS said last week the department has not made any announcement about Clark's potential position there. This dude is just bad freaking news. Um, there were pictures of him news. on the news, and it's it's him wearing military like a military uniform mm -hmm. with all what, sorts of medals. If you would just look at it at a at a um, glance. It's decorated military medals, yeah. right? That's what you would You would assume. think he was a military officer. You right. Would, yeah. And that's very offensive, and it quickly was attacked because he hasn't served the military. No. <laughs> and then on top of that, people are like, well, that's not even... Those medals aren't even military they're, medals. They're not military it's, medals. It's... It's basically... He's got... He's, he's basically the TGIF of sheriffs. 
wearing all the little buttons. <laughs> um, uh, he at first did not want to comment <laughs> on what's about his, what about his uniform, uh, but then. <laughs> Then he said, "He doesn't realize that people now have high definition photo enhancers and can actually look at the shit that's on his shirt." <laughs> uh, he realized the questions were not going away. I think so. He he wrote a letter and said that they about his uh, medals have very significant and emotional and real value to me. Some of these have been handed to me by people who have lost sons and daughters in the line of duty or a spouse. So in support. Of like the COPS, Concerns of Police Survivors, organization, I wear a ribbon for that. Some of these I have earned and some of these designate my completion of the FBI National Academy. They give, they give you a pin. I wear that pin on my uniform. I've also been given pins by survivors of 9-11 terror attacks. From cops, from people who lost sons and daughters in those attacks, talking about from law enforcement that doesn't make sense and those <laughs> things mean something to me you know i honor them i put them on the thing that's most important to me and that's the uniform and that's me so here we have a list of, of 22 <laughs> things there was one thing that could not be identified by the internet but 22 things that, that are on his damn are uniform. On his uniform and this is hilarious i know we don't <laughs> want to take up a lot of time but i I say just for, let's just for shits and giggles, let's, just let's do, do it. it. Let's, let's run do down the every list other of one. shit that is on David Clark's yeah. uniform. You take one, I'll do two, okay. and we'll, we'll alternate. We'll go on. Okay, number one. Clark's four-star opulates are standard for chief of police and sheriff, so that actually should be on his uniform. Okay. Two, this is a pin that reads, Sheriff, made and branded by the Harley-Davidson <laughs> Motorcycle Company. Three, a five-pointed star inside a circle. Existing theories is that this is from the U.S. Marshals or Texas Rangers. Four, a U.S. flag lapel pin. Five, a thin blue line pin. The expression is meant to invoke the role of police in society, a thin blue line of people willing to stand between us and them. The pin mirrors similar other... The pin mirrors others that are popular in the U.K. Six, this is a pin for the Israeli Civil Guard. A branch of the Israeli police that serves as a sort of neighborhood watch since terrorist attacks in the mid-70s. At other times, Clark has worn a badge for the Israeli traffic police. Incidentally, he's not Israeli. Seven, Clark's actual sheriff badge. <laughs> Eight, a 9-11 memorial pin, presumably of the sort Clark mentioned in the interview. Nine, this appears to be a small lapel pin. This is WTC, a reference to the attack on the World Trade Center. Pins similar to this were given out to NYPD officers who helped in the aftermath of the attacks. 10. Badge for the General Mitchell International Airport Division of the Milwaukee County Sheriff's Department. 11. A pin from the NRA. Clark has been a proponent of the organization, including starring in an ad for the NRA. Surprise, surprise, surprise. <laughs> 12. A U.S. flag bar pin. 13. A small replica of a 19th century U.S. secret system. Service badge, a souvenir given to those who help with a presidential visit. 14, a 75th anniversary FBI National Academy pin. The Academy provides professional training on intelligence, terrorism, management, and forensic science. Is that like a merit badge for the FBI? It's saying you went to merit badge school. <laughs> 15, Clark's name tag. <laughs> 16, a thin blue line ribbon from Concerns of Police Survivors. So he mentioned that in the interview as well. 
17, an FBI National Executive Institute pin. The institute trains law enforcement and, and executives in leadership. 18, a pin labeled NSI, perhaps for the national, nation, I'm sorry, nationwide suspicious activity reporting Great. initiative of which Milwaukee is a part. 19, an FBI National Academy completion pin. 20, pin for the ceasefire crime reduction program of which he was once a liaison for the Milwaukee Police Department. 21, a pin depicting a baby's feet, or the precious feet, signifying support of the anti-abortion movement, because you want that on your police officer's uniform. <laughs> and finally, 22, Blue Knights Law Enforcement Motorcycle Club pin. So some of these you would so, find um, on your uniform. You know right? what? I, I'm going to say no. Some of these, I mean, like the affilets you would, your name right. tag you would, your sheriff's badge you your would. Your sheriff's badge you would. All the other little tchotchkes and stuff is just... Bling. I, I tell you what, he needs a, a ripped denim vest. Yes, he does. Yes. And he can put all his pins any way that he wants on there. <laughs> that's that's my vote. I get, you know, I get people give you pins or something. And, yeah, and, of course, display them. Display them proudly. But this Don't is also just... cause a mockery with uh, yeah. people that have served. Right. You know? Don't make it look like you served in the military when you, in fact, didn't. Yeah. And this guy is just bad news anyway. I mean, oh, he's a total people die on his watch because he forgets to feed them and he forgets to give them water while they're in jail. This is not someone you want in charge of any sort of law enforcement agency, frankly. Nope. And that letter uh, made perfect, perfectly sen good sense to me. Yeah. Don't. Like we don't want him. Do, please do not appoint him. <laughs> don't appoint anybody that is this... has set these allegations against him. Yeah, we don't want him. One more topic. Well, two more because I'm going to add Kathy Griffin to the very end of it. Oh, since we were talking guillotines, but we'll we'll do this one first. Yeah. U.S. denies visas to fleeing gay Russians. So uh, Carol mentioned uh, previously. Yeah, in back Chechnya. in April. Where there were no gay people, because they're rounding them up and putting them in there, camps. Well, there's no gay people in all of Russia. That's right. There's no gay people at all in Russia, which is why they're fleeing. Except for these 40. Yeah. Gay, <laughs> gay men uh, that are hiding somewhere in Russia and trying to escape the homophobic persecution. And they've had difficulty acquiring visas to leave the country. Because, of course, they don't exist, according to their government. A rep for the group Russia LGBT Network told BuzzFeed, negotiations have been difficult with countries that could provide safe havens for these queer refugees. She went on to say that the U.S. is not going to issue visas for people from Chechnya. Um, and I have an update on that later, um, but we'll, we'll go through the... Okay. Of the topic here first. Due to confidentially, confidentiality concerns, the State Department would not comment on allegations that they denied LGBT Chechnyan refugees. <laughs> confidentiality concerns? Vlad I know, I know, right? Vladimir Putin agreed to investigate crimes against LGBT Chechens, but Haretz, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it. I think right. it's Hayretz. Hayretz reported soon after it was opened that the probe had already been terminated because there are no gay people in Russia. <laughs> And and also, I read his, I read where Vladimir Putin signed off on terminating the thing, and he bas he wrote, um, 
that there's nobody being harassed. Yeah. These fall these claims are false. So yes. yeah. Thanks, Putin. I'm sure he investigated that himself. Oh, probably at length, yeah. For all of like two seconds. So after the initial publication of the story, the Russian LGBT network spokesperson clarified that the U.S. had not yet formally denied any visa applications, but the group was not facilitating applications to the U.S. because it was discouraged by their conversations with the U.S. Embassy. Uh, we were informed there was no political will, said the spokesperson who asked her name be withheld because of this, their security concerns. They're not going to provide visas. They're going to support us in other ways, but not with visas. And also an update is that um, two of the 40 have been confirmed that they uh, have come to the U U.S. And then the other 38 uh, went to Lithuania. So at, well, at least, least they're out of Russia. At least they're out of Chechnya. Yeah. And I don't even know whether or not to believe that, honestly. I mean, how could they keep track and surely there's more than 40 that want to escape <laughs> yeah. and then where are the lesbians yeah i mean you know this is it's it's hard to get a really good look at what's going on but i am glad that they found glad their they reasons. at least got out hopefully hopefully that part is true and they at least got out so the last thing and this happened just like within the last 24 hours is comedian kathy griffith who technically worked for cnn um, was pictured covered in blood with a bloody head, you know, kind of holding well, she, the bloody yeah. head of Donald Trump. She's not covered in blood. She, she's not covered in blood. Well, her hand is because she's holding the bloody head of Donald Trump, um, which immediately sparked uproar and a Secret Service visit. <laughs> um, she's a comedian. She's provocative. She does this, you know... This was stupid, though. To me, this was very stupid. To me, this was... Yeah, you're going to get a phone call, dummy. Um, uh, and she's gotten a tweet as well. Yeah. Um, I, I follow a lot of political leaders on Twitter. And, uh, I mean, even the ones that are very anti-Trump were like, just, oh, you're not Kathy, helping. this is, you're this not is bad taste. And some even went on as as far to say basically accusing her of getting her name back in the limelight which you know using trump and and the country's image. hatred for yeah. him to get her name back in the public eye and 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 gain some notoriety i have basically to being a fame whore yeah and i don't even care i think it's cool you think it's cool i think it's cool i i think it's I think it's one of those you're not helping moments. I don't see it any different as a comic strip um, writers and drawers, uh, drawers, illustrators, uh, you know, making anti-Trump comic strips. I think it's slightly different because she's actually pictured killing him. With his, with his beheaded head. With his beheaded head. I think it'd be slightly different. I liken this... What if it was a, a drawing, a cartoon? Of just his severed head, I think it still would get yeah. some some pushback. Oh, it still would get yeah. pushback. I think it's, it's, it's you know, I think it's acceptable to, to ridicule, and believe me, I do, political leaders, you know, Trump is often drawn as an infant 
which he is, um, or a toddler, which he acts like. <laughs> um, he does. I'm laughing because it's so true. But there's not many people who would actually picture him dead. Oh, yeah, that is a much bolder statement. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I'm not, not trying like, to make, and make I'm not, light of an assassination. That would be a major right. ordeal. And what I liken this to, and it's, it you know, and the hypocrisy shows, is that Ted Nugent went, got, once got on stage and said he wanted to shoot Obama and Hillary. And nothing happened to him. Nobody, you know. And that's the thing. You know, a bunch of liberals came out and said, shut up, Ted, basically. <laughs> but we've been saying that for 20 years. <laughs> shut up, Ted. Yeah. Um, but, but he's a member of the NRA, so yeah. he's going to talk about shooting anything. Yeah. But nobody, you know, no Republicans came forward and said, gee, you're not helping. But liberals have come out and said, Kathy, you're not helping. Right. Um, so basically the consensus is, you know, just... Keep your anti-Trump tone down, I guess. I yeah, I make... think it is. I think the, depicting your yourself with this with an assassinated president is never a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> never a good idea. No, I don't think she did it because she thought it was a good idea. No, she did it so she could get she she did it so she could get press, and she did. Unfortunately, she also it got worked. fired from CNN. <laughs> but. Um, it's not like she was doing a heck of a lot for CNN anyway. No, she, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm New wrong. Year, New Year's Eve. New Year, okay. New Year, what was it called? It's with Anderson Cooper. It's with Anderson Cooper. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Roll of the Eyes. <laughs> I love that man. Oh, he was in the news this week too because he had a, a, a Trump toady on his, <laughs> he, he on his show. Oh, and he looked at him and the guy's like, over. And the guy's just going on and on and making excuses for Trump. And, and Anderson Cooper said, you would just defend him if he took a dump on his desk. And he was trying to interject many times before he yeah. got that frustrated. Yeah. And you know what? Good for you, <laughs> Anderson Cooper. Because that dude probably would be on your show going, the bathroom was too far away. If you know. <laughs> He had to go. He had to go. He had to go. He had to go. It's his Oval Office. <laughs> he can do what he wants on the desk. <laughs> thank you anderson cooper yes um i'm i'm anxious to see where this kathy griffin thing uh, what the fallout goes. is you yeah. know they say that she got a call from secret service i'm sure the secret service was like that was stupid click you know i don't think it you know <laughs> they, they were like, like kathy kathy are you kathy. building a guillotine you know, you know. <laughs> no so i know and we all know what was not his head we yeah. I mean, he tweeted about it. He was, he said, Kathy Griffin, shame on you. Well, shame on you, Donald Trump, for trying to, you know, take away people's health insurance. That concerns me a hell of a lot more than a, a has-been comic <laughs> trying to, to get her Ouch. photo in the news. Come on. I know, I know. I'm not defending that. <laughs> I'm just saying that it must hurt. <laughs> like it is there's a reason she did it and it's because she is a husband for, you know well not saying she was not a, she was a never was she's kind of a husband um with that, that i think is that is the end of oh this episode i need a drink i need a drink too um so we'll be back in two weeks time to see what other new and interesting things 
have been tweeted. <laughs> oh, what does the world have in store for us? <coughs> oh, I don't know. We'll let you know. Not impeachment anytime soon. God damn it. No. And if you know, listeners, scullies, be real with us. Uh, send us the positive news that we were not able to find. That's right. Please. We will report on it next yes. time. Yes. And with that, we bid you adieu. Thank you and good night. Good night.